Welcome to Glass Talk, Canada's podcast for the architectural glass industry. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Glass Talk. I'm Pat Flannery, as you know. Uh, with me today, this is uh, uh, going to be a fun one, is uh, Taylor White from uh, Layton Consulting, and also uh, John Jomo Layton, better known as Jomo, uh, all the way from beautiful BC, also with Layton Consulting. Um, I got the uh, I got the techie guys on here today because uh, we're going to uh, talk some tech stuff. Uh, we want to get into uh, a, a little bit about uh, uh, changes in the NBC on the energy code. Just a, a little review and a look at that uh, more for the on the ICI commercial side of uh, of things. And uh, and then these guys have been doing a lot of interesting work on thermal modeling. Uh, they did a neat presentation at the Fenestration Canada conference in uh, Prince Edward Island. Um, a lot of great information there, very little of which I absorbed. So I want to uh, have them on here to uh, recap some of that. And, uh, and, and we're just going to have a, a, a little bit of general discussion about, uh, about thermal modeling, uh, best way to do it, pitfalls, uh, 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 what it's good for, what it can help with, uh, and, and try to tie it into that whole discussion of, uh, of energy efficiency. So uh, uh, thanks so much, guys, for... Uh, for joining me, I want to start out with um, with uh, uh, just some introductions. Jomo, why don't you uh, start us off and uh, uh, tell us uh, who you are, uh, what you what you do for Leighton, your background in the industry, interesting stuff like that. Sure, I'll, I'll keep it fairly brief. But uh, yeah, my name is is Jonathan, uh, as, as given to me at birth, but prefer the name Jomo. And the, the other benefit is there's another Jonathan. One of the partners I have is another Jonathan. So we have. Often a phone call will start and they'll say, hey, John, remember that? I'm like, whoa, 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 stop. Uh, that's the other guy. So it just went a lot easier to go by my nickname. And uh, um, my last name is Layton. So, um, you know, I the, the company people, you know, ask me, you know, what's what's the Layton part of Layton? And really what this is, is on August uh, the 4th, we'll be actually celebrating 28 years in the industry, in the glazing industry. And my, my dad was a, was a, uh, civil engineer who was looking for work 28 years ago, had had some experience working on a FEMA product or project, sorry, a FEMA project in California after the earthquake in 1989, where he had some exposure to curtain wall design and um, corrective measures and, you know, replacement or, or um, repair. And he ended up living in Vancouver for for some time in from in 1992 he moved up there he was looking for work got got some jobs but the 90s was really tough for engineers the beginning of the 90s i remember as a kid we went camping all over alberta and dad kept disappearing and not knowing that he was going to have interviews to try and find work <laughs> while we were on these these camping trips and um, eventually a friend who, who worked at a, a, a local glazing manufacturing company said, Hey, we're getting these requests to have engineers review some of our stuff. Part of that was knock on effects of, you know, the leaky condo stuff and others was spans were getting bigger, you know, we were utilizing more glass and he, uh, so he, he said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump into it. And little did he know that we'd be 28 years later and expanding our services, but it really started from a, from a structural um, point of view and uh, grew from there. So that's, that's how it started. And that's still our bread and butter. I mean, we've done projects all over the world. We've been involved in, um, in we were, were one of my favorites. We were in Albania for a year. Uh, we worked on the FIFA soccer, soccer, the FIFA football, I should say, actually FIFA football stadium in Albania. And uh, we've done things in Malaysia. We've, we've, we were involved in a research station that got built and then moved to Antarctica. We've done things all over Canada. The Pacific Northwest has really been our, our main area, but all over the United States, and we consult all over the world. So it's a lot of fun. It's, it's sometimes I've, I, I like it because I talk to some of my other engineering friends and they, they'll say, oh yeah, I've been on this project for years. And, and I'm like, man, we, we're, we're a component. We're the glazing is the fun part. It's what everyone looks at at the end of the day says, man, that building's beautiful. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's our piece, right? So <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy it. And uh, I've been here since 2011. I finished school in engineering. I 
realized I was not a very fast engineer, but I was really good at taking complex um, uh, principles and explaining them simply, just being pragmatic in how I talked. And so I just naturally fell into working with our clients. And eventually I decided to kind of stop doing the engineering and went and did an MBA. And uh, I graduated uh, within four months of my graduation, my dad passed away suddenly from uh, pulmonary embolism. And so it was very quick. That was in 2015. A decision, hey, are we going to make this work? The staff all came together. We found some key people, Taylor being one of them. And uh, proud to say that we've carried on all the great principles that my dad started with, just being honest, being realistic, pragmatic, but also creative and thinking outside the box. And it's carried us well throughout the throughout the years. And I'm, in the end, when I ask people, like, why do you work with Leighton? They're like, you guys are just really nice. And if you've <laughs> met my dad and my dad's around, my dad was really nice. And we just carry that on today. So that, that's, that's it in a nutshell. I don't know, Taylor, if you would agree with that, but. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was think, thinking this morning how, uh, well, Jomo hates it when I call him his boss, um, even though he is. Uh, but uh, he's always always been a real relationship guy and, and he always puts uh, relationship uh, relationships above work. And so even working relationships, they're, you know, you switch that around with Jomo and it's a, a relationship that works. So he's, he's a great boss. And, and uh, even though he hates to be called that, but, but it's a joy working for him. I, I don't think, I don't think you get that in MBA school. Be nice. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the, uh, that's, that's gotta be a new, that's gotta be a new innovation in, uh, in, in business management strategy for sure. Jomo, uh, Jomo quads in uh, Antarctica. Uh, the like the project, I no, the, the uh, windows you 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 would have needed. Oh, quad quad no, well, <laughs> I, you know, it wasn't a project that I reviewed. I, I, uh, it could have possibly been, but I know that m- the majority of it was like there is an exterior shell, and then they put an interior project oh. in. So it's actually separating some of the buildings because what they want to be able to do is isolate and heat up certain areas. So I actually think it was kind of like an internal thing but you know so that you don't always have to be pumping all the the heat everywhere so yeah it, it, it was really unique I'd, I'd have to bring ivan on one of my partners to really explain it and he may he may just refute what i just said but <laughs> yeah. you know but i mean yeah. that makes sense right you do a full like you do like a full double skin right and yeah then, and yeah. Then, yeah i i could i i, I could see that working we'll, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of uh, engineering sure. from Antarctica a little later uh yeah <laughs> taylor let's get over to you uh, uh tell us a bit about yourself and uh what you're doing at leighton yeah, so I'm I'm actually living in Alberta, um, and uh, so I, I grew up here, went to school here, um, and I went to school for mechanical engineering, and then uh, I actually started working at Shell, uh, Shell Oil for a couple of years until until that that uh, uh, industry took a downturn, and then uh, uh, Leighton picked me up and scrubbed the oil off me and and uh, <laughs> the fly again, so. Yeah, so um, I'm still, uh, we, we had a little office out here, and then one of the guys that I was working with, he went off to Albania, and, and then through COVID, I uh, started working from home, and now I'm, I'm working from an acreage, looking at the mountains through, through my window. So oh, beautiful. Beautiful. It uh, offers that flexibility. Uh, difference between uh, oil and glazing industry. What, uh, what, do, you, oh. what, what do you think so far? <laughs> Uh, I could, I could probably, uh, it would be easier to, to say the similarities. Um, okay. I, the similarities, I guess, are, you know, there's really good, hardworking people in both, both industries. And I, I really gained respect for, um, the people that were boots on the ground, um, in the oil industry. Um, they seem to know really what's going on. And, and I find the same thing um in the glazing industry those those people that are out you know actually putting things uh together installing uh the units those those are the guys that uh really have a feel for for what's going on uh in the industry and and uh and i like to spend spend time with those guys because um it really helps broaden my perspective and i learn a lot from them 
Yeah, it's 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 one thing to sit in there looking at looking at a screen and a design, and 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 it's quite another to uh, to see what's happening uh, out there when you're actually trying to make that screw fit into that <laughs> particular channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's it's uh, it's it's valuable for sure. Well, good on good on you to do it. Well, listen, great to have you both here. A uh, ton of knowledge in the room, or whatever this is, the virtual room. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's let's start out. Uh, uh, Taylor, I'll stick with you initially. Um, um, the 2020 NBC uh, finally dropped uh, here in, uh, in 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 2022. Um, what have you guys been looking at as far as differences, changes uh, in that document from what there was before? What are what are some things uh, uh, to your mind that uh, that the commercial glazier needs to uh, needs to be cognizant of? Yeah, I think it's. Uh... Uh, interesting. Now, I, I should add the dis disclaimer that we're not uh, uh, experts on on the code, and it right. depends on um, uh, where you're at, which which parts of it apply. And, but uh, I thought it was interesting on first blush that the first uh, like the the requirements are very similar to uh, the 2015 code, um, but they've kind of added uh, this whole tier system. So. Um, they, they've kind of opened up the, the possibility in the future to move up uh, tiers. And it's very similar to the BC uh, program that has been in place for a, a while. They, they call it the BC step code. Um, so um, I, would, I would say it's moving in the same direction where, you know, you can start where you're at now, but things are going to be uh, moving to a more, more efficient uh, type building envelope system. Um, so I thought that was interesting that uh, they're, they're putting that in place in the NBC. Yeah, all part of this effort, I think, to uh, give um, everyone in the industry really uh, uh, sort of advance warning of, of, of where things are going and, 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 and to get ready. It's, it's this... Um, that's always been the complaint, right? Is when they come out with code changes, it's like, well, I didn't hear about that. And, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's, it, it's coming out of left field. So they seem to be trying to head off um, that effect a little bit and to try to, and I think they're aware that at the highest levels of this, there's going to be some innovation required uh, on the, on the technology that's going up there and, and they need to give the fabricators time to, uh, to understand that Jomo, uh, I guess one of the, one of the things that, um, you know, as Taylor mentioned, you guys aren't code experts, but I didn't want a code expert. I want the people that are out there having to having to tell people and work people uh, uh, work with people on on you know the things that the code is is going to be uh, asking them for. Um, um, what do you think should should really attract? What's attracting your attention uh, in the NBC these days? And 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 what do you think is uh, is going to be a particular interest on the commercial glazing side? I guess I guess or maybe it's it's just what Taylor said. No, no, I, I can take it a swing at this here. So now I think it's, it actually speaks to something we did in our presentation. We, we said, you know, it'd be ideal for all Canadian suppliers to say, here's, here's the mark to hit. But we don't all comply and we're not all at the same stage. Some provinces are on the 2020 or 2010 NBC, some are 2015. Some are kind of not doing it themselves. Some will lean more to provincial their own provincial stuff goes, BC being one of them, right? So 2020 makes uh, total sense for BC. We're already kind of there. You know, we're, we're, we're already working towards the, what I would say probably the performance-based model where we're taking more of a holistic view of the whole building envelope. Um, and I, I think they recognize that they want to get there. And I think it's also, um, it, it's in an effort to kind of, force the players to talk to each other and what i mean is in the past it's been kind of independent like here's my here's what my window system does this guy says this is my wall this is and the energy model just takes it sticks it in a you know power but not powerpoint an excel spreadsheet and boom spits out a number but there's there's not a lot of information that's getting all the way to the energy model they're just getting these numbers and the people supplying them always aren't aren't always on top of like what those mean i mean one of the things in our presentation was like what is a u value and like we can all read the definition but what does it really mean like why what what does a low u value equate to or why do we want a low one and i i think it's an effort to kind of force the hand of personal 
educating and understanding what you're really providing and what does that really mean at the end of the day? What does that really mean for the end user? And that's, that's for us where the focus is. Like, I would say at least 25% of my time is just education. I just want people to know either what am I getting, you know, from, from the, the glazing side or, you know, glazing manufacturers, like help us to, to how are we going to talk to the city? How are we going to talk to the energy modelers? Because it's tempting to just be like, oh, we're so busy, just pass a bunch of paperwork until finally they leave us alone. You know, if we flood the city long enough with paperwork, work, they'll just be like, all right, okay, it passes, whatever. And, and that, that option, that idea of approaching our industry is, is going to have to change. So, yeah, especially when, in, you know, not to get political, but a lot, a lot of the, a, a lot of the, the city managers are, are hearing from uh, people on other sides of the industry saying, well, you know, any, 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 any extraordinary amount of, of window space of window to wall ratio is, is, is automatically bad. Um, you're, um, you know, you, you've got to minimize that. I mean, that, 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 that's a heavy lift I know for, uh, for, for, for glazing contractors, uh, and, and general contractors who want to quote lots of great, lots of glazing. Um, right. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, the type of education you probably have to do a lot of. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not like, like, I, I love the word. I always say, like, I've, I say it with staff, like we're pragmatic engineers. We know at the end of the day, it's got to get in. So they get paid. So we get paid, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we can engineer and analyze till the cows come home. And, and sometimes someone comes in like, just, just tell me what to do. And I'm like, you need to come with some information to the table. So I, I know where you're trying to get to. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, ch- a challenge that, that is not unique to fenestration, like what, what you're outlining. I think every part of it needs it. They, we're, we're all going to, especially as we get to performance-based, like there's a limit as to how far fenestration could go in some things. So then it's back to the, the other um, component, material components. And like, well, how can we do this? How can we adjust our wall assembly or roof assembly or whatever? So it's not, it's not, I shouldn't, sometimes I've heard people say like, man, we feel like the, the ugly stepchild that's like beaten in the corner. Like, come on window. It's all your fault. You know, you're the, <laughs> you're the ones that got to pick it up, yeah. but we, we really can do ourselves a service by being on the ball and just knowing our, our systems, how they work, how they're performing, you know, really embracing the NBC rather than this like universal groan of like, Oh, great. Another thing we have to jump through. Yeah. If we, if we embrace it and, you know, get the right people to help us understand it. I mean, I just would put ourselves forward as one of them, but there's, there's others out there. Uh, you, you will win in, in, and people will defer to you. You know, the, the, the energy models will defer to you and say, you know, let us know what we can do. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's an opportunity as much as it is a challenge. Taylor, I warned you, I was going to come out of left field at you. So here I go. Um, your, um, um, your assessment of, Technolo- technology of, of our ability to hit the targets that um, that that the NBC has set out, especially the the, the highest targets. Uh, I, I think they want everything to be uh, uh, basically completely net zero by what is it twenty? Is it twenty thirty or twenty thirty five now? Uh, anyways, it's 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 in there. Uh, I mean, every, obviously the old buildings that are there are not going to be all retrofitted by then. But 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 you know, anything new build your assessment of the technology. Do we, do we need a, do we need, do we need a radical shift in, uh, in, 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 in what we're doing or, uh, or, or is it, is it there? It just needs to be paid for. Um, uh, yes. And yes. I, so, uh, with the, with the, uh, the codes becoming more stringent on the thermal side, um, it will push technology forward. Um, which is kind of exciting. I mean, uh, uh, it's fun to be in an industry where, where you kind of always have to be pushing the envelope uh, a little farther. Uh, the technology is there in some companies. Um, uh, you know, people can, uh, can import, say, some windows, and they're very, very high-performing, um, very costly, um, uh, they don't hold the main part of the market share, but eventually we'll be moving more to those, more toward those windows. And so I, I think it'll be an interesting 
um, business strategy for uh, for companies to decide, okay, we need to um, uh, change our window systems or develop new window systems to meet this future step or future tier in the code that's coming. And they can kind of see that coming on the horizon. Um, but when they make that move, it's kind of up to them uh, to play play all their chips at the right time is uh, will be a key key part of their decision making, I think. Yeah, it's it, it, it is often down to the, the, the project owner and what they want to do, too. Right. I mean, it's uh, that, that that is one of the nice things about about our industry is uh, uh, so many of the projects are kind of starting from scratch. I, I mean, there, there's a lot of custom work out there. There's a lot of uh, uh, design build uh, op- opportunities out there. And, uh, and, and, you know, if you find the right clients, uh, you, you, you've got an opportunity to do uh, just about any, just about anything you want or, or, <laughs> or do, or do very little and uh, head for the bottom on price. So you've got those, all, all, all of these options are before you. Uh, Jomo, let, let's turn to the thermal, thermal modeling uh, uh, part of this, because uh, uh, that's uh, what you guys were talking about in PEI. Um, I, I think you, you had mentioned some projects that you worked on uh, uh, in, in that presentation. Uh, why, why don't you tell us a bit about what your, your guys' experiences have been with, uh, with, with thermal modeling and applying that technology? Sure. Yeah. So thermal modeling. Um, yeah, that was one of the things I, I kind of out, you know, listed all our structural and all the loads we look at. And I said, so what qualifies us to come and talk about thermal modeling? And it really came about just as an, another need of the industry. I'd say in about 2012, we kind of had our first real inquiry. Like, do you guys, do you guys know anything about this thermal compliance stuff? Or if you guys, you know, we're being asked for NFRC compliance and there really wasn't uh, a large adoption um, in Canada to to and on the West Coast, I should say. Actually, I don't want to I don't take it where because I know that a lot of work has been done on the the East Coast by uh, Jeff Baker, West Lab, all those guys over there. But this the Pacific Northwest was really kind of I think caught off guard. And um, what was being asked for was a lot of like um, per project uh, total U values, what we'd call weighted average. And so um, myself and Ivan, we went to NFRC, we got trained on how to do proper thermal modeling. And I think what surprised us most uh, was that there was a ton of information being tossed out. It goes back to that paperwork pushing. That was not correct, or it was, it was, you know, omitting certain things. And I'm, I'm never one to call, I'm not, I mean, I never, but I'm not never intentionally quick to say, Hey, that's fraudulent. Or, you know, you're, you're lying. Um, I think a lot of it was people just trying their best guess, trying to get the jobs done, but there was a heck of a ton of cleanup that needed to happen. And unfortunately we, we did a disservice because we have, you know, these European and, and Asian markets that, you know, want to sell windows who were a little more on the ball. And so at the beginning, it was kind of this, uh, even Vancouver was drinking the, the passive house juices, like this is what we have to do. And this is how it has to be. And the industry was totally caught off guard. It just, they didn't even know where to start. It was, they were so, so just, just do it. I, I just want you to get it. Just tell me it passes and it's done. And I think what we tried to break down easily um, with, with our clients and then, um, working with people was, Hey, this is the NFRC way in which the procedures and modeling it's available. That information is available to everyone. Uh, we we're certified. We can, we can get your products uh, modeled. So you know what your values are, so you can go out and sell your product. And then if you need a building analysis, we're happy to do that weighted average for you. Eventually we realized that more and more people actually wanted to pursue certification and it took us a few years, but, uh, last year, we actually became an NFRC certified simulation lab. So there are products, not all of them, but um, and I'd say that we're working, NFRC is working towards commercial certification, but we also do a lot of residential um, clients and, and, and buildings and that they, they want those, those labels. So that's, that's a path they can pursue. Just hit those threshold markers and install your windows and good to go. And, but others, we do a lot of building analysis. We've, we've done everything from, you know, Amazon's building and, and uh, LAX expansion. We analyzed the, 
the spandrel panels, we have, you know, cladding interactions with thermal, where's, where am I going to have a thermal stress, you know, all these condensation buildup, you know, UBC grounds at a, a pool that they wanted to look at because the previous pool had all this condensation building up on the windows and how do we adjust that? How do we, we, we analyze that? So we, we, um, yeah, I'd say over the time we've we've tried hard to be as as expert as we know how to be, and yet we continually find that we need to be a little more expert. So it's definitely not one of those things that you take a a one time um, you know training it in from in from NFRC and you're good to go. It is a continual pursuit of refining and understanding how this is. So that's that's where we're at. Expand a bit uh, on one of the on one part of that, Taylor. Uh, uh, what are what are some pitfalls in in people's approach to thermal modeling? Where 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 do they make their where where do they make their mistakes and uh, and how do those manifest themselves in their reports? Without naming names. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've um, got a few people. <laughs> we've got a few people in mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah in, in thermal modeling. Um, it's, I mean, there's, uh, it is kind of a funny thing. There's, there's lots of rules that you need to follow with thermal modeling and there's, uh, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a particularly complicated, uh, software to use. It's a little bit cumbersome to use. Um, but yeah, there's just lots of rules to, to stay up on and, and, and it's hard to, uh, stay up on all those rules if you're not doing it day in and day out. And so, um, uh, to name uh, one uh, one common mistake um, would be hard, but there's lots of little things that that people uh, mess up on uh, here and there. And I, you know, we we make mistakes here and there as well. So um, uh, we have checks and balances to try and keep each other uh, on the right path. But you know, it's it's one of those things. I will say from at the beginning, one of the common things we saw is people report IGU values. So they'd go do their glass order, like, yeah, here's my U value. And, you know, none the wiser. I just want a U value, you know, thank you very much for your number. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you know, that doesn't work. Or they'd say, well, here's my window U value. And it was like a certain type of window, but you know, you're mixing products, you're changing your spacer bar, you change your glass out. And they're like, well, it's the same U value. Like, it's not even possible, like, <laughs> you know, so, so there's been a gradual increase in knowledge, but yeah, at the beginning, it was interesting to just see what was being stamped or signed off or someone saying, well, I, I certify it. That was the funniest thing was seeing people's wordings and I certify it. I'm like, that word is like a legal word. You, you can't just use that word, right? It's not even word I'll use. I pass when I get the certification, I'm like, Hey, I'm giving this to NFRC. I'll do everything so that you know that it's been analyzed correctly, but you want to get labels. You want to get certification. That's, that's where you're going to go. So, yeah. 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 I, I, I guess, I guess what they're saying is sue me if this isn't true. But yeah, it's like at the, the the horse is out of the barn by then. I, you know, that's not uh, that's not exactly the, the the purpose of the certification thing. Um, Joe, we'll stay with you. Uh, uh, how do we? What what have you seen as far as as far as the modeling being able to to to, to inform design and and help building designs? Do you do you have some examples of mine of somewhere where? where an envelope design was, was, was really helped by the, by the, the, the modeling that was done for it. Well, I'm, I, yeah, I, I mean, I have several examples, but I'm, I'm working on one specifically right now, custom home overlooking, you know, Harbor here in Vancouver and, you know, 40% glazing and, and, um, you know, I, I said passive house juice, I should probably backtrack a little bit because passive house has its place. And I've probably had people on here and, and they, they have a great, when you want to have your whole building compliant to their standard, great, great pathway to take. Um, the challenge is that, that we have is that we model to a North American standard. And when we're building in a North American way and our walls are that assembly, you need to have someone involved at the fenestration level who's like, okay, how are you going to get to this step code model that you want to get for what I'll say for BC, we have a step code five and they want a high solar heat gain and a really low U value. And I, I, you know, 
got everyone on the same page the architect and the energy modeler and the, and, uh, the, the, uh, glazing contractor. And I just said right off the bat, like, think of U values, energy going out. So if you can, is energy coming in, you can't have one super low and the other super high. It, uh, like you, you're, you're fighting a, a teeter totter or a, a seesaw as you go. It's not gonna, it's not gonna work, right? They, they go hand in hand. And so uh, oftentimes it's trying to find how to get the values that they're looking for, you know, because whether it's written in the spec or they have a certain desire to get some of the, the energy from a solar heat gain, but also be compliant and, and recognize the need to also utilize the energy that's inside the house and not letting that seep out the, the, the window system going out. So that has just been kind of, a growing thing that we're having, especially on the, I would say on the custom home side. And I don't want to just say like a residential project product. It would actually be like a lot of custom home utilizing like a curtain wall, or we're even seeing towers that are utilizing window wall where they really want to better understand, you know, where's my energy usage. Cause you want to get to net zero. Like where is that being lost or gained in the window system? So yeah, it's a lot of meetings that I'm having right now for education to even before I can get to the analysis. Mm -hmm. um, but once people understand what they're they're looking for, or or like the the, the complexity and yet kind of the more linear um, reaction that that fenestration has, you know, you you put triple glazed in, it's going to affect it different than if you put a double glaze and and two two low E coatings and a hard coat, you know, you can maximize it so far, but we go to the next step and here's how it also affects those low heat gain. So it's, it's quite linear. Um, every, di every different uh, low E coating or insulation that you add is going to affect it a different, but once they understand that you can really, um, your d designs can really be benefited and it sets them up for the next project. So, you know, it, it's a lot of labor intensive upfront and I can, I, uh, I feel for our whole industry because, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I put in all this effort to finish this one building. But once we get the architects and, and the energy models and everyone on board, it's, it, it'll take us further than I think we originally uh, thought we would. And we're seeing that right now. Hmm. I'm going to embarrass myself here, but there, there, there's something, there, there's something in, um, there was something in the passive house uh, uh, setup where, where, uh, somehow they had chosen a baseline temperature uh, 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 that that like it was it was like minus ten or something relatively warm compared to Canada. Uh, uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about here, Taylor? You know where I'm yeah. going with this? What what, yeah. what it, it, that, that 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 makes passive houses uh, uh, you know make more sense in Europe than it does here? Right. Yeah. Can yeah. So the passive house uh, boundary conditions, I guess we could say, so. Uh, are, are quite different from the NFRC. So NFRC uh, uses minus 21 uh, degrees for an outs, nope. or sorry, minus 18. 18. Minus yeah. 18. Minus 18. And, and plus 21 on the inside. Um, and then uh, passive house uses minus 10 outside and, and just 20 on the inside. And so um, with there being a more extreme temperature difference uh on the nfrc modeling then then uh then there's more heat transfer that that takes place um so that's that's one of the differences between nfrc and passive house and there's there's many other differences and we do uh we do model for passive house um there is a there is a way to do that uh and it's it's interesting to see all the differences um uh, but yeah, it, the, the way windows are designed for passive houses is, is, is quite different than the way windows are designed for NFRC. Yeah. Okay. Um, Taylor, your favorite example of, uh, thermal modeling and forming a, a building design and, uh, and making it better. Can you got, got, got anything in mind? Um, trying to think of, of one specific, I think, uh, it, it is it is interesting you know we we've come from the background um where we have been working on the uh on the fringes of 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 the different steps so when um uh when someone is 
not quite meeting the step code, but if they can look at the specific uh, uh, site and the, maybe there's bigger windows that would, would pull a better U value, um, or they're using a, a certain uh, window frame that hasn't been modeled using NFRC yet. Um, and I, I, I feel like it's, it's satisfying for us to be able to help them uh, to uh, find a path to compliance um, that, that isn't available in the, uh, in the general uh, way of doing things. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we do also do, now that we're a certified sim lab, we, uh, we certify windows so that people can take the, uh, uh, the easy or the, the quick path of, of doing things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been satisfying for me to help help people find a path to get their windows uh, the certification that they need. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Jomo, do you think, um, so I, I guess that where, where the rubber hits the road is, uh, is uh, how, much, uh, how much thermal modeling are, are, are people gonna have to do? Um, do you think, uh, but I, I guess the answer is fairly obvious. I mean, with the codes tightening, um, um, this is something that, uh, that like glaciers are going to be asked for more design build, uh, people really are going to be asked for uh, more and more. Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. I, I would say it's a combination between the code and it's a combination between previous, you know, large scale projects having issues. Uh, I just came back from the States. Like I said, you know, you're asking Taylor, what was your you know, favorite project? And I was thinking some of my favorite projects are actually when we're, when we're the second consultant, which is kind of sad, but like, <laughs> I, I was just down there. Um, and, and we're project, one of the projects that I was thinking of is this museum in, uh, Arizona and they can't get it below, um, you know, for us, like 30 degrees in the middle of the night, because it's this huge glass box that they build. It looks amazing. You know, it, I think it got lead, whatever platinum or lead gold and, that place is just sweating inside in the summer because the glazing, no one thought about it. They didn't, thermal wasn't a consideration. So you have those things happen, especially, you know, government funded things. All of a sudden it's like, holy cow, I don't care what it is. We want a thermal value put it at it. So we're, we're getting some of that, you know, breakover, maybe it's even liability and uh, the lawsuit, uh, you know, after the fact that that's like, we really want to see this. But I think, I think it needs to be something that, is not just kind of like, uh, like it's often looked at as a hoop. And I actually expressed it in PEI. I said, there are other people out there who will sell the product as being amazing. And at the end of the day, if we kind of treat this as like a hesitant, like, oh gosh, they'll, they'll flood the cities. They'll flood the officials. They'll flood the energy modelers. And eventually people are like, oh, all right, fine, it passed. But if we're progressive and we're like, these are what my systems can do. And if we change this and now I know what I'm, what I'm selling and sure, they may still have to come to us or somebody else to do a weighted average, but they kind of understand their system. Um, the, the cities are expecting uh, or would like, I should say, this information very clearly so that they can understand it so that when you know, bottom feeders, what do you want to call them? Or people, you know, not in Canada facing the, the unique Canadian way are just like, yeah, hey, ours are great. Uh, we can we can actually outcompete them just by being on the ball with information. And and we've seen that here in Vancouver, big time. I, I would say that that uh, more and more large scale products are being retaken by by local suppliers, even though they may be more expensive, simply because. Uh, officials and energy monitors are, are grateful that they're on the ball. They know what their their what their systems can do, and they're upfront, honest. Hey, we can adjust that. Let's go here. Let's look at that. And it's it's really nice for us because they're coming to us saying, "Hey, I know the background information already. Can you guys just get it over the finish line and get the report that the that they're looking for?" So yeah, it's 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 a tough thing up front. I get it. It's it's not something that you necessarily want to embrace, but. Uh, we'll help you get to where you want to get within your own company. And, and if you need a, something stamped off of the other side, we'll, we'll help you there too. Hmm. So Taylor, uh, uh, if um, your advice for somebody who maybe is being asked to, uh, to do thermal modeling on a building 
or or asked to show a thermal modeling report for the same time. Uh, obviously, the first thing they're going to do is call latent consulting. Uh, but uh, yeah, what what, what uh, you know? But but other other than that, there's hope. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but other 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 than that, um, um, what are some advice uh, uh, that, that you would have for them when going through their process? Are there are, are there tips or there strategies that's going to make this uh, better for them? Yeah, I. I think the, the main things that we consider is, is you know, what low E coatings you're using, how many low E coatings you're using. Um, uh, sometimes that's uh, like when, when we're looking for ways to improve the system without completely swapping out the system, these are the things that we, we consider. So we could potentially add another low E coating. Um, the spacer bar actually makes quite a big difference um, thermally mm -hmm. in, in a lot of these projects. Sometimes with the PVC windows, you can shove a little bit of insulation in some of the cavities to, to help things out a bit. That, that has less of an effect on uh, aluminum frames. Um, uh, but not, not none, it's just like law of diminishing returns. You know, you shove in four inches or three inches of insulation, like eventually you've kind of maxed out where it's gonna go, right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. With aluminum, aluminum is so conductive for heat that the heat just goes around the insulation if if there's if it's surrounded by aluminum. So it's just like a, a super highway for heat, um, and it just ignores the the insulation basically. Um, but yeah, those are the things we look at. As if if you can't take out mullions or or make the windows bigger, you know, more glass area to frame area is always always better. So. Yeah, I don't know if that will help anyone, but no, that's 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 actually interesting stuff and 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 counterintuitive sometimes I think to some people that you know again you get the call for smaller windows and it's like well actually the frame is the biggest problem these days um, and uh, and uh, the uh, so uh, Phil um, th th there's 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 some people out there filling their PVC profiles. Um, uh, big change a big big benefits possible there or is it sort of at the margins taylor it it really depends on the on the case so it depends where in the frame it is uh, if it's kind of lined up with the glass um, that's kind of the critical area um, uh, where a lot of the heat transfer happens where you go from cold to warm um, so that can be a critical area bigger cavities um, are more have more of an effect because it's it prevents the the convection within the the cavity so um, when you have when the cavity is big enough the air can can move like circulate and start transferring heat from the inside to the outside that that really uh, pulls uh, pulls up your e-value so it makes it worse um, so adding in some even just some styrofoam or whatnot to to kind of block that circulation can can really help things. That's interesting. I, I you know, when you're dredging up a dim memory, uh, uh, which all of my memories are dim, uh, of, uh, of 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 something I saw a while ago. Yeah, that, that that I remember a presentation where where that lining up the insulation with the glass uh, 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 has uh, has has a big effect. That 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 seems to be an important thing. And you know, if you've got it all out. Uh, uh, off to one side, ahead or behind uh, uh, of the glass, you're losing you're losing a lot of benefit. That you want this this line of insulation that stays continuous all the way down. I someone's going to have to go into quantum physics to explain why that is. But I, I, anyways, it, it, it's 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 uh, it's it's interesting to me. The the other thing that gets talked about a lot, Jomo, uh, thermal bridging, uh, obviously. Uh, uh, give me uh, uh, give me the FYI on uh, on 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 why we uh, why we want to get around uh, thermal bridging when we're thinking about the the whole thermal model of the facade and uh, and 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 you know maybe maybe some some neat tricks you've seen to avoid that. Well, you actually touched one right now. I mean, we 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 recently had a client who was really proud of this thermal break they'd put in, and it was a, a Cartwall product. Problem was it didn't line up at all with your IGU, right? And so wow. all this benefit they got from this, you know, really high quality thermal break was just decimated by the fact that the, the front nosing had this huge chunk of aluminum sitting right underneath the IGU. And they couldn't understand. They're like, why is this not performing better? And, 
yeah, I, I uh, it, it, lining that up is really important. Utilizing thermal brakes, I think, and, and, and high quality thermal brakes, like we still see some poor and debridge. And if that's what you're set up for manufacturing, that's better than nothing, right? But, you know, a doubled poor and debridge is never going to be better than, you know, a nice true ice bar. Like it's, it's just, you're just not going to get there uh, with the, uh, with the, with the thermal values. And so, um, we, yeah, we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing also, like Taylor said, some of these thermal brakes have almost like legs to really, cause you know, you create a void, right. And you want to, you want to eliminate that convection as well. So there's a lot of really unique ways you can do that. And it's, it, it has to correspond. I mean, some of that is changing what you currently model. Like you, it corresponds to not only just where you're lining it up with your glass, but where your glass is placed to in your frame. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think architects are, are open to, to unique solutions and ideas. I think that, uh, you know, m- more European projects bury their frames in, in the wall assembly. And they, that's how they build over that. It's designed how it does. And, and here they kind of say, well, I want to get the minimal amount of frame as possible because they know more glass to frame, frame ratio. But you can actually end up hurting yourself with these really minimal frames, both from a structural component, you know, our other side of our company. But also you get this kind of small, tiny thermal break and these two hunks of aluminum on either side. It's like, you know, we need, we need to create some kind of su- substantial frame enough that we're actually getting the best out of our thermal breaks to eliminate this thermal bridge. So when, I, when you look at thermal bridge, it's really just trying to approach it, recognizing I want to put in somewhere where I, I give some, some ability or enable the system to put a break breaks on that transfer of heat energy, right? It needs to have something that disrupts it, whether it's a different material type or insulation or where the glass is utilized, the, 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 you know, even the, uh, even, even, well, to be frank, even the, the air gap that we use, I mean, it's just, that's what we're doing between the, the glass panels so yeah that's that's everything so yeah i was I, I was at a conference out here uh uh back in the spring and uh and and that was talking that was talking about residential construction and and they were talking about how the uh the the studs the 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 two by four uh, uh studs in 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 uh in, in houses are some of the worst like that that's you know it's it's unbelievable uh, uh what a bridge uh, those things create and you know you're kind of thinking of wood and you're thinking well that's not really a big conductor but ooh, you know i apparently oh. it, apparently it happens uh you know totally it, totally like there you can have condensation easily built up not because your window system is failing but i mean i lived in alberta where taylor is now southern alberta and middle of the winter i put my hand on the wall and i got ice building up on my wall well imagine what your windows are doing you know yeah, really so yeah yeah i feel, yeah. I feel like we i should add a, a little positive plug for passive house uh since we've been kind of hard on <laughs> i was but, not beating it up too much I <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys you guys are okay <laughs> but uh they with passive house they consider um the frame to rough opening um uh construction where NFRC, NFRC is just focused on the window and then energy modelers worry about the rest of the building. Um, but passive house, it, you know, that interface between the window and the rest of the building can be quite critical. You know, if you have, say for instance, some, some metal flashing that, that goes around your window, if that bridges to the back of your uh, window over your your thermal bridge then then you're kind of negating a lot of the effects of of that thermal bridge mm-hmm. so that's that's things to think about when you're when you're putting in windows as well as where in the wall that window is you know we talked a lot about lining up the window with where that heat transfer is going to be taking place so you can do that with the window in the wall as well you know taylor that actually brings us almost full circle here uh, Patrick, where you said like, you know, NBC 2020, where's it going? And that's what it is. It's trying to force our hands to not be so isolated, but to actually look at like, what's my wall assembly? How's it built? Where are the thermal bridges? And then what's the proper window to bring in? Or do we consider burying frames or what, you know, how are we, how are we having these interactions? So that's Taylor, you like hit it on the head, you know, the passive house does have an approach. It's effective. It's under their standard, but 
we are going to have to embrace that and, and NBC is going to, going to force that hand a little bit. So. Yeah. And everybody's going to have to think of different ways of, uh, uh, of doing things. I mean, I, I don't know how much, uh, uh, you know, thermal bridging has entered the consciousness of the residential builder, uh, for a long time, but, uh, but uh, you know that's coming out now. And of course, you see more people doing the the, the continuous insulation wraps on the outside, and uh, you know that 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 sort of thing. And actually, point of curiosity: is, is that common uh, in in your guys' areas? Uh, uh, it's it's just kind of picking up. It, it's kind of a little bit here, a little bit there in Ontario. What 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 are the what are the residential guys doing uh, at BC and Alberta? Start with you, Jomo. If you can afford it. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. And if the builder can, uh, I mean, the sad reality is the developers, the builders, they don't, you know, we, they don't want to, they don't want to put in anything more than they have to. I right. mean, and then, you know, I, it, it's that'll for never leave us all right. Like we're always going to deal with the mighty dollar. Um, there are projects that are advertised as being very energy efficient. So they'll have some versions of, of those products or, or to utilize them. I've seen them both in residential and actually mixed use. I've, I've kind of probably seen them more because they want to have oh. this real advertised, you know, full living health living. And that's, that's an option that's been put in um, that they're, they're utilizing. I think we'll see more. I think we'll, we'll see more dynamic product, um, you know, dynamic shading, dynamic glazing in the future because energy is such a concern um, I mean, frankly, look at this summer, like the world is getting hotter and that is an inevitability what we're having. And so it's not always, I think in Canada, we think, well, I want to keep, I want to keep warm inside because uh, it's cold in the winter, but it goes both ways. And those thermal bridges work both ways as well. So being smart about how we're wrapping our buildings and, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't think the average person is lining up or the average builder, especially on the average residential, he's like, well, if I don't have to, I'm not going to recoup those costs. I can't pass those costs on. And at the end of the day too, Taylor and I have talked about this. One thing that should be done, uh, maybe someone can reach out to us because we're really interested in doing it, is analyzing what do these systems actually mean in dollar figures? You know, if you do all this stuff, you do high-end glazing, you do a high-end wrap compared to just the generic two-by-four glass, you know, put in your, your windows and uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the year or whatever, what have I saved in savings to heat my, my home? I think we know that there is improvement, but because we don't have that information to pass on to builders, to pass on to architects, um, it's more, you know, that, that would be such a good thing to know, a selling point. If it's really making a difference rather than just the like, okay, well, you, if you want to be step five, in this case of BC, or you want to be you know, the top and uh, the top energy efficiency, this is the threshold numbers you got to get. It would be nice to have that background information of like, what does this mean in money? Because yeah. money makes decisions, right? Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice to know that. Now I know in Alberta, the objective is to burn as much energy as possible at all times. Uh, so <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's, 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 that's what, that's, that's what we're aiming for. Uh, so, uh, so I, I don't, I don't suppose anyone's bothering to do a continuous wrap on their houses in Alberta. Right. Uh, Right, Taylor. Uh, yeah, no, it's not really a focus. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. No, it, it just I, I I was just genuinely curious because I know it's I know it's something that's uh, it's, it's it seems to be building steam out here a little bit because of the because because of those because I, I I should I should try to get back onto the commercial side here a little bit. Um, the um, so bottom line uh, to you, Jomo, um, the um, do you, do you do you think that if you use if you use the thermal like there's performance path right uh, yeah. options available now I mean more more even than 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 there used to be um, and and you have the ability to um, uh, completely avoid really uh, a, a lot of the prescriptive requirements on on various products that you use in your building um, um, if you go if you go down these these performance path. Uh, measures and you and you use thermal modeling and you you have a whole building idea of 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 what that building is going to do and then and then now you have trade-offs available you know i can use i can i can put in i can put in weaker hvac 
you know, if I have better windows, I can put in cheaper uh, finish, uh, uh, curtain wall or, or, or less insulating curtain wall if I have a, a higher efficiency electrical system or something like that. You know, you have all, all these all these trade offs available to you. What what where do you where do you think it's going? Are the are the are the, are the facades? Are people going to spend more money on the facade and more focus? Uh, on, on on that end of the building, and and be willing to 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 invest and and, and pay for uh, for for the higher performing products, um, or uh, or or are they going to use that as an ability to 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 do less with that to 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 not uh, uh, go higher performance on the facade and maybe and, and 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 juice up and get those benefits on the other side of their of their thermal model and the the mechanical side the structural side. Sure. Well, I think. I think what's going to be the dictating factor is human comfort at the end of the day. I mean, we, I went to a fen, fenestration uh, meeting out here and they uh, are, are, you know, our BC chapter with Fenestration Canada and Al, you guys gave a, a great presentation. He talked about the, the, the climate data that we've used is like based in the eighties. And, you know, if you look at today and what temperature is and you forecast it, and sure, we can be doom and gloom and say it's 10 degrees higher, but, you know, there, there was an increase from what we even designed today. And, and I, we, I've got a project in West Van that, that uh, the architect built this big giant glass box that overlooked uh, West Vancouver that uh, they're so hot in that room. They've had to totally upgrade their HVAC system to just basically pray they can have it down. And then the neighbor, he, he put a mirrored film on and ended up melting his pool furniture. I mean, like, you know, it's all, <laughs> yeah, it's all this after the fact stuff. So I think, I think we're all getting wise to the idea that like, Hey, I, I need to look at this beforehand. And I, I think that will, that's going to the force, the hand that's going to do it. I think the trade-off methods are that certainly have a place because of the money consideration, like, uh, Hey, I can, I can utilize some benefits from my, from my fenestration system to offset, like what we may have to put in or what we've traditionally put in for HVAC or, you know, I, I, the, the interaction between my wall assembly and my windows, the thickness of the wall assembly and how the windows fit in there really will give some, some offsets. And, and that's being embraced more in BC. I'm, I'm seeing that because I think at the end of the day, we recognize we can't always be just like throw in the, best this and the best that and the best this and then expect that people are always going to be happy paying you know we already pay a lot to live here and you add all those costs and everything and it's it, it can become cost prohibitive i mean we have we joke all the time there's products we're like i want the best windows and then we'll you know tell or you know they'll go to the the glazer whether it's commercial residential doesn't matter they'll get the price and like i want almost that, but not quite that. Cause that costs too much. I want as close to that as I can get, but I'm not paying that. So yeah, it's always, that, that's the funny thing. Uh, so there is, a, there is definitely um, a time that they're going to, it's going to be utilized in some instances if people are inflexible. I think that, uh, you know, they're like, well, this is what my windows are. This is the wall assembly you get, forget it. Um, it, it sure. It probably could be abused, but there's only so much, um, that the trade-off method can benefit you for, you know, if you're just trying to scrimp by, maybe we can get one house to pass, you know, based on the, the window to wall ratio, you know, it just wasn't very much, but doesn't mean the next one's going to, right? Like it's, yeah. it's not like, Oh, I can do this once and, and be done. That is where I'm, you know, being an NFRC simulation lab, I want to plug NFRC and certification as well, because there are projects and, and several, I would say certainly in the residential realm, um, more because I think commercials, uh, NFRC has been slow to ad adopt, um, the, the commercial guys and approach them and stuff, but where, where the trade-off, the performance isn't actually the, the smartest sense, but prescriptive is, you know, and, and you, you get your threshold numbers and you, you can sell those windows like crazy. And, and that the energy modeler is just modeling whatever that value is on the on the the labels and it doesn't matter your size right so architects have a little more freedom on you know if you want these small windows but because they've got their standardized sized u value um they they have some freedom there but you know you try to you try to swap in a trade-off method i'm like holy cow you gotta erase simoleons because i'm never gonna get your u value down because it's based on the ratio of glass to 
to frame. So there are times when it's never going to be one is, I guess is what I'm saying. Trade-off has a place just as uh, prescriptive or certified has a place. And they always will have two, two, two places. It's pretty quick. I think for us to say where it does, Taylor, you'd probably agree. We can look at a architect's uh, rendering and say, okay, I think I know where you should go. Um, because, uh, yeah, there's some pretty, pretty large red, red flags on, on either side, but, um, yeah, once you, once you've learned that it, uh, it makes it a lot easier. So Taylor, what can, what, what can you guys do in your lab there? I, I, can you do like, like big curtain wall mock-ups and everything? Do you get into that or, uh, or t t tell me a bit about your, uh, about your setup there and what you guys do when somebody needs, uh, the product certified. Yeah, so right now we're, we're actually just a simulation lab. So uh, we just got computers. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not the physical guys. Yeah. You're not physical, yeah, okay. But, but Taylor, I think it'd be, you know, the process by which it happens, I think it's good to share. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, so we follow the NFRC methodology mainly, and, uh, um, and that's... Uh, I think it's a, a powerful methodology uh, and, and it's the most broadly adopted methodology for, for North America. And so, you know, uh, while, while it's all just done on a computer, um, we have to have a fairly good understanding of what exactly is going on in the, in the building. So we need to have the full shop drawings and, and whatnot to really be able to evaluate uh, uh, how to model things. And the best thing about it is once we've, once we've, so we'll do all the background work as we're working with people when we, we can help them see improvements they can do, especially when they're designing new systems, it's probably a little bit easier because there's, you know, less finite, it has to be this way. But um, even, even old systems, I think, you know, if you're still able to sell, you're still able to hit those threshold models, your NFRC certification is about five years, and then you've got to re redo it. Mm. And um and, and that's par partially because material properties change. You know, we've, we've seen updates on um, the conductivity and, and emissivity of values, uh, the way in which you model changes, new programs come out. Um, so you have to, to upgrade to the, to the newest one because the old ones didn't, didn't uh, weren't as precise, I guess you would say. But so, so we do that, but after we do your modeling and, and you know, we get the values that, that, that you're looking for, um, we pass it on to... Uh, we have a, help the client pass it on to a, an IA uh, inspection agency under NFRC. And the nice thing is once they're done, not only can you get your labels, but you're listed on NFRC's CPD. And once you're there, I mean, that eliminates a heck of a lot of questions right. from building inspectors and city officials. Cause you're like, look, this is the most widely accepted. It's essentially the governing body. And uh, that just saves you a heck of a lot of headache when, if they're expecting that, um, that certification uh, value. So, and that's an incredible point because, because one of the big problems, uh, especially on commercial builds is, uh, you know, everything is different. The, 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 there's, there, there's no cookie cutter. Um, the, uh, the, the, the building inspectors are frequently not well equipped to uh, understand what they're looking at and the engineering of what they're looking at. Um, they, uh, they, they, you know, they, they have a lot of difficulty and, uh, and it can cause problems for your approvals. And, uh, and, and if you can, if you can get that certification uh, in advance for at least as, as much of the project as possible, um, you're, uh, you're, you, you, you gotta be in a better situation. What the building inspectors want to do is look at a sticker and say, yeah, that complies or it doesn't. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, there's a limited number of ways that you can get that. So, uh, so I, th I think the point is well taken and it, it's only, and the problem is only going to become now, now they're asking building inspectors to inspect for the energy standards. And uh, you know, th th these guys are not energy modelers. They, you know, they, they, they don't, they, they, they're structural people typically. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, they, I think something like this is, is, is going to be, uh, is going to be uh, uh, very useful or at least uh, something everybody should be looking at. I mean, I know, I know everybody is looking at it, but it's, yeah. it's something to be, it's, it's something to be cognizant of going forward. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, like we do lots of, you know, single project compliance reports, but I, I tell all my clients, I'm like, if you can pursue passive certification, even if it means that you're not going to hit all the values, pick your, your most common skew that 
already sets you up for success because, yeah. you know, I put in a supplementary doc document and I say, I recognize that this doesn't pass, but here's why we do a weighted average calculation, how it passes. Those go so much smoother than just out of left field, you know, our, our thermal reports that we've worked really hard for them to be recognizable here in BC, easy to follow. We, I sat with the city of Vancouver. I'm like, what exactly do you want to see? How do you want to see it? You know, it's now written into the BC uh, building code and, uh, you know, the, the uh, BC energy requirements. So I, I know what they're looking for, but when there's already labels and stuff, even though they may not hit the, the threshold values, building officials can be like, well, hey, your labels don't meet them. Like, we know that, but, you know, that was the performance that we got if we were going down the uh, prescriptive method. But here's the trade-off. As you can see, listed the building code. This is where it's accepted. And here's the value. And it just makes it so much easier yeah. rather than like, oh, it's, you know, oh, it's, we're never going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Why are we, yeah, you know, the fight, yeah. right? The fight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, listen, guys, this has been a great discussion. Uh, got the full hour and look at that. Well done. Um, and uh, so I want to, uh, yeah, I just want to thank you guys. Uh, Leighton consulting with us today, uh, Jomo Leighton himself and uh, Taylor White from all the way in Alberta. Thanks for coming out here, guys, and uh, uh, virtually and, uh, and talking to us on Glass Talk today. No problem. Thank Take you. care, Patrick. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to Glass Talk. You can find this episode at glasscanadamag.com or on the major podcasting services. Glass Talk is a presentation of Glass Canada Magazine and Annex Business Media.